All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer Brandon Newman, Isaiah in the desert, my father, Mike Golick Sr., and dad, is there anyone you want to publicly call out for being a liar, anybody that you want to take this time to burn down in your life? Because apparently we've got uh, plenty in the world of sports to get to today, tons of NFL, some college football previewing that we're going to do, and apparently James Harden initiating burn book protocol in China. Well, it's nothing I would do publicly, but what he said, and I know we'll get to that, I certainly feel that way about some people who, who have been in management uh, in some of the places I have been. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go public with that, uh, but James Harden is in a different position, and James Harden has gone public before with things. This is a man that's been on, a move, on the move, and he did not hold back. It, what it does, and I know we're going to get to that, but it reminds me at one point, everybody remember this, what was it, like four teams ago? James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant were on the same team. I mean, they were on the same team, right, in Oklahoma City? I mean, it, it, it blows my mind uh, still that, that when we talk about teams that, that 
work to get together uh, that this team was put together. And, you know, obviously they, they never won a championship. So. No, but they uh, they got close enough to make us all wonder what could have been as that picture, that team picture you're talking about of all three of them in Oklahoma City just continued to shrink year after year after year. So we will get to James Harden and his shenanigans. As I would argue, he is doing the thing that he does best in all of basketball, which is get what he wants. Um, we will also get to today, as we said, great show, download, subscribe, rate, review, five-star rating. Check us out, DraftKingsNetwork.com and on YouTube. Uh, we're going to delve into a little bit of college football preview this week. We got some fun interviews coming up. Uh, we are going to start off today. Three big questions for each of the Power Five conferences as we get closer and closer. We are inside two weeks now to the start of week zero. Dad, you're going to head over to Ireland to see Notre Dame and Navy help kick off the college football season. And so we felt like inside two weeks was probably about the time to get ready to go. So we'll get some Pac-12 questions going today. Three big questions for that conference of things that we're most interested in. But, Dad, we also had preseason football over the weekend, and I have never felt like more of a sicko in my life. So for anyone that's unaware, we are now down to three preseason games per NFL team during the course of the preseason, which means it's a little bit more limited commodity. And so when I was out this weekend in San Francisco at a festival, I was at the Outside Lands Festival there, enjoying music, drinking and carrying on, and yet still found myself waking up Early in waking up in the morning, rolling over in bed at around 10 o'clock and going, ooh, Anthony Richardson's playing and toggling back and forth on my phone between watching the Titans and the Bears play and then watching the Bills and the uh, Colts play and really felt myself alive in the glory of preseason football. It's it still, you know, it hits different with me um, being a 10th rounder and you being an undrafted free agent of watching these games all the way through because we know Anthony Richardson's going to be there and Will Levis is and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and all the top picks who fans are going to watch and see how they do and we can certainly you know break it down quick note don't read too much into it in preseason game number one but I'm always interested in that back half of the roster how because I, listen through my entire career, and, and I said this all the time, players, when something bad happens on the field, I'm telling you one of the things that goes through their mind is, man, is that going to look awful in film? And that's the one thing in preseason games you do. You have more players uh, on the roster right now, so film sessions go longer in the preseason. If you're one of those guys trying to make a team and you have a bad play in a preseason game, you are like, oh, my God, I can't. I do not want to relive this one in the film session. And you pray that they end the film session early or something else distracts them because you know when the play is coming up and you just don't want to see it again on film. Dad, I disagree. I think you pray to God that it does actually come up because you know as well as I do, once they start just glossing over your mistakes and skipping on to the next play, you're cut. Like the minute oh, yeah, they stop coaching true. you, that means they are also preparing to not have to coach you anymore. So you're hoping they rip you a new one in the meeting because that That's actually true. means they still care enough about your development on that team to want to spend time on the rep. It doesn't mean you look forward to it, though. I'm saying at that moment on the field, when you make that mistake and your mind oh, yeah, that goes to film the next day where you go, oh, my God. But I, I'm going to tell you real quickly for me, I know there's quarterbacks to break down, high picks to break down. Two things that stood out to me. Number one, by far and away, 
the best thing that happened this pre in this first weekend of full preseason games is when you read the byline, DeMar Hamlin, three tackles for the Buffalo Bills. And they showed the highlights of him stepping up to make tackles. Everybody needs to, again, because this is what we do, we move on very quickly to the next topic. This man died on a football field last year. In the Buffalo game against Cincinnati, he died on a field last year and had to be revived on a football field and then went through the rehab and everything in that, that unbelievable moment. This man has come back, and he's back out on the field. And remember, this happened off him taking a hit to the chest, stepping up and making tackles. Mike, I can't even imagine forgetting the physical hurdle, but the mental hurdle he had to go through of now this being an actual game where you got to tackle people, which doesn't happen a lot in practice. you got to step up, deliver a hit, or take a hit. And he did it, and he seems to be back, and he seems to be fine. Yeah, it was really impressive. It was, I'd have to imagine, a harrowing moment for everybody who knows him just as much as anything because he's clearly gotten himself back into that football mindset where you do feel somewhat invincible out there. That doesn't exist for your family and friends they are all watching at home and people that watched Alex Smith get back onto the field for the first time after his leg injury and get tackled by Aaron Donald can attest right. that for fans there's also some trepidation as well. Yeah, com completely agree. So that to me was the best moment. You want to talk about the worst moment of the weekend as far as um, what happened on the field? Listen, we know not a lot of starters played, uh, and and we, we know that'll change going into the next game. And so, but starters that did play, Bryce Young got the start, the number one pick in the draft for the Carolina Panthers, which means the first team offensive line started, and they got manhandled. They got manhandled by the Jets. Now, the Jets could have one of the best D-lines and defenses in football. Don't get me wrong. But they got they got manhandled. Bryce Young got, got sacked once, but he got hit multiple times. Matt Corral got sacked four times. Now, again, some of that line may have been out by then. But when that first line was in, even the, the, the starting old linemen were talking about what a crappy job that they did. That, to me, was – and now, I'm not going to read any more into it like, oh, my God, they're going to have a bad year. This is just reaction of first preseason games. I thought the good was DeMar Hamlin, and the bad was it was a first-team unit for Carolina. That O-line did not protect their starting quarterback very well. Well, and let's use that to talk about the starting quarterback because you mentioned the young guys that got to go for the first time this weekend. You had Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis of the top-end draft picks all get to make their debuts over the weekend. We talked about C.J. Stroud at the end of last week out of Ohio State making the debut for Houston where he looked to hit slow and dead. I would say that's sort of the mark if we're looking for the good and the bad of what we saw the young quarterbacks, right? I would say Will Levis and, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, very similar days. Guys that you saw, hey, the ability jumped out there. There were some good moments mixed in there. Will Levis probably took a step long to get to most things. Anthony Richardson had the one bad interception. And so those guys looked like young players getting their first shot of action. Looked like young players, especially in Anthony Richardson's case, who hasn't played a lot of football at this point, right? right? You had a beautiful corner route thrown to one of their receivers that just flat out dropped that he dropped right in the bucket.
But then at the same time, you had that bad interception on the first drive of the game. So there's going to be the give and take that reminds you, and 49ers fans cover your ears, that if you take a prospect with incredible ability coming out of college who hasn't played a lot of football and you don't allow him to play a lot of football, things aren't going to get better very quickly. And 49ers fans have learned that. But, Dan, I will say out of all that, you mentioned Bryce Young not getting protected. That guy did look like someone who had a Heisman in his cabinet, right? Like he looked like an adult out there. It wasn't all perfect. The throws weren't all right, times. Right. He didn't light anything up, but he looked comfortable and he looked decisive and he looked like someone who wasn't playing in his first NFL football game and feeling overloaded by everything he saw. Everyone else, you could see the difference between first and second year guys, right? For Will Levis, he was going back and forth in that lineup between him and Malik Willis, who was in his second year, who was dreadful yeah. in year one and who looked yeah. more comfortable in year two. Things looked like they had slowed down. He played faster. He was more decisive with his passing decisions. All of those things that I think showed up some for the rookies besides Bryce Young, who I thought looked as comfortable as you would expect a number one pick to look. So I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't like the Levis and the, that quarterback situation of switching off series. Right. I, I was not a fan of that. I mean, give a guy like like they're doing in Tampa Bay in a quarterback competition. Baker Mayfield started the first game. Kyle Trask will start the second game. Let him get some continuity. And listen, you can almost say this. What are you looking for in the young quarterback? And that includes a guy like Trey Lance, right? Who's who's fighting, quite honestly, now for that backup role behind, behind Brock Purdy. But just young quarterback. What are you looking for? You're looking for, I don't care about stats. You're looking for right reads, right decisions, and, and how quick you can make the decisions. And that's what we, we saw. We saw some good and some bad. And the bad was hesitation or... Now you're really getting a look at the biggest difference in college to pro is the speed, how uh, the, and, and this isn't even a lot of blitzing of disguising of defenses, but how quickly can you recognize something and the windows are a lot smaller. And what we saw, we saw some unsureness. We saw some hesitation. We saw some double clutching for some quarterbacks that they're going to learn from. But I agree, Bryce Young looked like, looked the most comfortable out of the core of the young quarterbacks that were out there. And agree. And now the next step is going to be, because they got him out of there early, making sure he's protected long enough to stay yeah. upright. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it. And I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road. And so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic 
like research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great with convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Dad, you mentioned some double clutching that went on, and my mind immediately went to what we saw in one of the final games of the preseason this weekend as San Francisco took on the Las Vegas Raiders. You had the Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan reunion, all that stuff that was the subtext of this. But the real interest was what we saw with Trey Lance, who was going to get some extended run here. We talked about the trade things getting thrown out with his name last week. And while the stat line, and you talked about it, is never really indicative of the preseason. This one might be the ultimate misnomer as far as how Trey Lance's day went. He finished overall 10 of 15 for 112 yards and a touchdown. He also took four sacks in this game and had two balls that absolutely should have been intercepted and kind of got better as he went along. And, Dad, it reminded me so much of what we talked about with Anthony Richardson. It was almost like a harbinger of things to come of how it can go, really, for all of these young quarterbacks when one thing potentially derails your career. And that injury early in last season for Trey Lance seems to have been just that because, Dad, what you saw was a quarterback that still just does not look comfortable. And whether it's the pressure of the situation, understanding now he's playing for his football life as a backup on that team versus being expected to come in and be the guy on that team or if it's just the fact that he's still a dude that going back to his college career really only had one full season of football as a starter he just constantly looked like he was swimming in a sea that their offensive line also did not help create for him no no did not at all and he does he looks uncomfortable and and it's a position Mike you or I don't know and actually most people don't know when you're a high draft pick and the expectations I look at two guys. Zach Wilson was a high pick and supposedly going to be the face of the Jets. And he's struggling, and now he's still there, and he's a backup. But he talks about how it's kind of a fresh start and the pressure is off, and he can learn from one of the greats. Now, it's not the same in San Francisco. It's not like Trey Lance is learning from one of the greats. Brock Purdy, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant, is going to start. But the, 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 the thought of the pressure being off is there, right? He was a high draft pick. They traded up for him to be a high draft pick. Hasn't lived up. And there's a little more now with Zach Wilson. While he did get injured some, his performance wasn't good. With Trey Lance, every time he got a shot, he got hurt. So there's still the unexpected of we we this guy supposedly has a really high ceiling, but he hasn't had enough actual game experience, let alone in college, going to the NFL to where we're seeing what Trey Lance can do. But every time he steps out there, everybody's expecting to see the third pick of the draft, right? And what goes along with that, you're eventually going to be the face of this team. Now, he got a chance to start last year and almost immediately got hurt. So all of a sudden, he's not going to be the face of this team. It's Right now, it's going to be in the hands of a seventh-round draft pick coming off of elbow surgery. So he's kind of, I think, lost in no man's land of, he doesn't really have a shot to be the starting quarterback unless Brock Purdy re-injures himself or just falls flat in his face. And how he's got to prove himself. And in all honesty, he may be proving himself for another team. 
because Brock Purdy is in his second year. <laughs> I mean, and, and if you're not going to get anything out of the number three pick, you know, who's got that four-year deal and a fifth-year option that if he's not playing, obviously his option wouldn't get picked up and maybe they would try and trade him. It, it's got to be a, a hell of a situation for him where it does differ because Zach does know he's going to be with the Jets. Trey Lance really isn't sure where he's going to be. Yeah, and I think you could see that because, man, on the other side of the field, you had the ultimate example of what you're talking about, right, where the expectations match the reality. Aiden O'Connell had a very similar stat line in this game, the former Purdue quarterback who was getting a lot of run for the Vegas Raiders out of that. That dude looked comfortable. But, again, it's the difference of I think he started 26 games in college and played in 35 versus Trey Lance, who, again, for reminding people, it's not just, yeah, he got hurt last year and didn't play and didn't play the year before that, but also, his final season in college was the COVID season where FCS didn't play football in the fall. He had one game that they played as basically a showcase for him, but besides that had really had a massive hiatus from preparing as a starter. And dad, there's such a difference in the quality of rep you get when you see things at game speed, game speed. Like I was a late bloomer in college. I didn't start to my last year. And as I got cut from NFL training camps and was getting set to go over to CFL training camp, I remember talking to my old offensive line coach and he said, this is good. You need reps at preparing like a starter because there's a difference in what you see and how you experience it once it's at full speed and at game speed. And you saw that right away. The very first play of this game for Trey Lance was a sack that he took because we saw time and time again, even while we can absolutely and should blame protection, their starters were not out there by and large on the offensive line and it showed there was still really a lack of willingness to cut the ball loose on time, which we know is a huge part of Shanahan's offense. And listen, he's in a battle for a backup spot with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has a ton of NFL experience, right? It unfortunately yep. hasn't gone great for him because, again, he was drafted by the Jets to be the face of the Jets. They've gone through a lot of faces of the team, and then he moved on, you know, and he's getting another chance here. But to your point, he's played a lot, you know, way more – competitive starting NFL football than Trey Lance has. So there's going to be more of a comfort level here. So Trey Lance almost has to accelerate his learning process or he's going to get caught in the numbers game, which is, which is tough. And, you know, and, and I don't want to hear fair, or unfair, fair is, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're what do they say? We're, if fair fair's a place where they judge pigs, but you're right. He's feeling dad what every back end of the roster guys feel. That's why this is all so weird, because we're used to dudes in his spot getting every single chance in the world. Yes, it's exactly right. And and he'll get one on another team. I still think he will, but again, there'll be low expectations of boy, can he prove us all wrong and show us that he was that high of a draft pick. But it's it's starting to tumble down for him. A little bit. Again, when you get hurt, it's not all your fault. But then the expectation is, we ain't waiting for you. You know, we got a guy who stepped in, and that's the other thing. A guy who stepped in and Brock Purdy and did great. And now we're bringing in a backup, possibly in Sam Darnold, who has a lot of experience because what they have is a Super Bowl roster team. They're one of the handful or so teams where you look at the entire roster and say, this is a hell of a team. And if for some reason... Uh, a Brock Purdy isn't working out. They need a guy stepping in. They can trust a little more. 
it's why I spend a lot of time looking at this situation and thinking about Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis right now, who doesn't have nearly the roster and should, I think, be a lot more comfortable letting their young quarterback, who only started 12 games at Florida or 14 games, whatever it was, go out, make mistakes at game speed, and then live with whatever happens because while you do owe it to the rest of your roster, you also owe it to the player that you pick near the top of the draft to make sure you're developing them the best you can. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. So we will have plenty more time to obviously sit here and overanalyze preseason football. But, Dad, good God almighty, every once in a while the Lord smiles down. He delivers you mana from heaven, puts it right up to your lips, and just lets you eat and drink from the cup. And that is what we got in the form of James Harden making some Adidas tour over to China today where he decided that this is where he was going to what I call initiate burn book protocol. He was going to go out and start writing the page on Daryl Morey, who has been inextricably linked to James Harden for his entire career. Daryl Morey and James Harden have walked hand-in-hand through a basketball revolution since their time with the Houston Rockets that has, in some people's mind, revolutionized the sport, in other people's mind, has made a worse version of it. We've obviously heard James Harden game referred to as insurance fraud by more than one person over the years, but now it has ended with this. So James Harden, again, as an Adidas athlete, was doing the tour over in China where he goes and does some events and appearances, and decided to light the candle with this bold declaration across the seas. Take a listen. Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization of these Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Everybody claps. Well, well, I mean, there is the fact. So there's a lot of factors that go into this right now. All of this comes on the heels of the report over the weekend from ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski that the 76ers were no longer going to be trading James Harden, that they weren't able to find a deal that fit to their liking, and so their plan was to bring him back for training camp with the 76ers going into this fall. You also, Dad, to your point with the clapping over there, now part of me thinks... 
hey, this is just an event that's there to you know, love up James Harden, and so everyone's going to clap no matter what James Harden said. Obviously, I've seen our friend Pablo Torre over at the Levitard Show and others reading into the fact and notion that Daryl Morey is not well-liked over there for some of the comments that he had made in the last couple of years pertaining to that particular region and some things going on over there. And so with all of that in mind, the clapping could mean a lot of different things. Yeah, no, that that is very true, and, and it still it still kind of makes you know got to make some people chuckle of the uproar we had with the NBA in bed with China and how that just went away, and now the uproar of golfers and or soccer players going to Saudi Arabia for the money, and what an uproar that was, and how that'll eventually go away as well. It's it's a, we're such a microwave society of what affects us, and then where we end up. But sticking to the basketball part of this, just just to remind people. Remember, James Harden was in Oklahoma City for three years and then with Morey in Houston for nine years. Then he goes to Brooklyn and then Morey brings him back, uh, to brings him to Philly from Brooklyn for these couple of years. He's got the one year uh, playing on the player's option of 35 mil. They could sign him to a 200 some million dollar deal. But why the hell would you do that? when he's so hit or miss in the playoffs, and that's what you really want him for, is to get your team over the top. I have to imagine, Mike, and I, I don't know the, you know, when he says he's a liar, I would imagine Morey said, all right, we'll trade you. You know, I don't want to, you know, and that, that's what Harden does. Harden well, does a great that, job of getting the hell out of out of places, right? Well, and that was the, that was the understanding was they had said, all right, Harden's going to opt into that player option and they're going to explore the trade. And then somewhere along the line, that seemed to have gone sideways. Well, I mean, and you know what? Listen, now, I don't know what exactly was said. I'll, uh, if Dar Daryl Morey said, I'll trade you no matter what, or he said, hey, we'll look for a trade, because Daryl Morey's responsibility is to the 76ers, not to James Harden. And I've said this about anybody who, who asks for a trade. They can ask all they want, and if it gets honored, great. But when you go to the team, the team's responsibility is to the team. And if they don't feel they're getting enough for that asset – I wouldn't trade him either. You don't owe James Harden or any other player anything to say, we'll let you go for a bag of basketballs just because you want out of here. It's still a business deal and a business decision. And if Morey doesn't feel he's getting enough and, and he, Harden wants to go to the Clippers, if he's not getting enough out of that deal, then he's not trading him. So if that, in fact, is the case, I don't blame him. And Harden's going to say what Harden's going to say, and that's fine. We'll see where this goes. We'll see. Will, will, will it up the value, you know, of, of the trade by, by Maury saying he's not being traded anymore? I don't know. Uh, but this is a public peeing match, you know, again, that, that Harden has made public now. But if this is about compensation that Maury doesn't feel that they're getting, man, I don't blame them one. I don't blame them one bit for, for, for not well, doing it. It is funny what you say he owes him, because I agree this is probably the beginning of a very public negotiation about what happens next. Like, this is probably just, once again, the business of basketball, especially in a league that prizes drama like the NBA, getting ready to play out in front of us, because I've seen plenty of memes of James Harden going to the closet for the fat suit again, and all the things that we've become used to. James Harden is doing what he does best, like I said off the top of the show, getting what he wants out of a situation. And you talk about who owes who what. Dad, Daryl Morey has made it abundantly clear, James Harden is the person that has changed his basketball life. And don't ask me, ask Daryl Morey, who took out an entire ad in the Houston Chronicle when he left, saying an entire page could be dedicated. This is his thank you to the Houston 
Houston Rockets when Daryl was leaving there uh, after his time and said, quote, an entire page could be dedicated to just James. He not only transformed my life, but also revolutionized the game of basketball and continues to do so like no one has before. Dad, he waxed poetic about a dude that has been inextricably linked to his own success, right? Daryl Morey and all the things he's talked about with the analytics of basketball and how he's flipped the math. None of it works unless he had James Harden as his muse in the middle of all of this. And so I think that was part of the original idea is, hey, man, none of my basketball life happens without him. And I think that's why this betrayal probably feels like a betrayal to James Harden because he's, I'd imagine, got to be surprised that, one, the trade he was promised by the man who has been walking arm-in-arm with him on this basketball journey didn't materialize or the fact that more money didn't materialize. Like, Dad, Daryl Morey brought him here for a reason because he doesn't know basketball without James Harden. And so, uh, again, there must be a disconnect like we talked about with the quarterbacks between the expectation and the reality that has now driven us to the brink where he would go over here and not once but twice say emphatically for everyone, not just, I want out of the 76ers, but the man that has been my closest confidant in all of this is a liar. And I will burn this relationship to the ground ground in order to get what I want. So again, I, I don't know what was said. If DeMore said, I'll trade you no matter what, you'll be traded, we'll take care of you, or hey, we'll look into the trade. I don't know. But you talk about expectation and reality. Expectation and and DeMore hitched his wagon to James Harden was to win a championship. Reality is, hasn't happened, right? Hasn't happened. And we can talk about the games last year when when he scored 40 in a couple of games against Boston, but then disappeared in the other games. You given this, are you giving him $200 million? I'm sure as hell not giving him $200 million. This guy has been on four teams and hasn't brought a title anywhere, right? And on one team, he had Durant and Westbrook. Now, granted, that was years ago. Brooklyn was an absolute mess with the three stars there with Kyrie and Durant and Harden. I can't put it all on Harden. And then a couple of years in Philly with the, an MVP and Joel Embiid. He hasn't helped bring a championship to a team. So there are expectations, but reality is still reality. Zero rings and I've hitched my wagon to you and it hasn't worked out. Yeah, I understand that, but like we can do that dance a million different ways, right? Because you can look at him and say, yeah, he didn't do that in Houston, but he just came to a Philadelphia team that's had Joel Embiid for quite a while that hasn't made it past a certain sticking point in the playoffs, and that predates James Harden. So who, like, how, who are we going to give blame to and where? I get James, you know, listen. For Joel Embiid, he is much younger, he is fresh off an MVP, there are a host of reasons why, obviously, you are not going to start to go and circle the wagons on him, yet, James Harden is always going to be the easy and correct target for this, I agree with you, James Harden seems to have a shelf life that all of a sudden hits its expiration date in the postseason, whether that's due to style of play, whether that's due to his own dedication, whatever you want to ascribe that to, it does seem to be the case, but dad, usually, when you don't have a lot of options and you make decisions like the 76ers made, you end up pot committed to the guy that you brought over for that reason and that was kind of how I thought things were going to go with James Harden because again for them dad it's what other option do you have right now going into yet another hey we need to get stuff done this season because our superstar in reality and Joel Embiid is a guy who has been dealing with injuries his entire career is only getting older and is playing his best basketball right now and so what option do you have if you're the 76ers that goes out and replaces James Harden. It's the conversation we had back in the spring, and I don't think they've gotten any closer to an answer opposite James Harden at this point.
Listen, I agree, but there's other, but there's the financial part as well. Okay, you hitch your wagon, and, and what else do we do from here? But does that mean you give them two hundred million dollars? I sure, again, sure as hell wouldn't do it over a number of years to hope you get that one title when you haven't gotten one yet. I I I, I get it. You're bringing him in to be that guy. He hasn't been that guy, and just just like when everybody said, "Oh, Romo shouldn't be the quarterback anymore," and we were all like, "All right, who are you going to get?" You know, you say it's not him. Who's it going to be? And, and I don't know the answer to that, but there's also a fiscal responsibility as well. And I think that fiscal responsibility is in giving James Harden $200 million. Uh, so we get to wait and see now because James Harden has officially kickstarted the party. If the Woj report from over the weekend indicated that this might happen civilly or that, oh, this would just be business as usual. James Harden is here to let us know that's not the case. Very excited to watch this man. Again, this is an artist painting in his preferred medium right now. And we are going to see, we talk about all the time, we talked about this with Dame Lillard. What are you willing to do to get out of your circumstances? What are you willing to do to make a team uncomfortable? We have seen James Harden time and time again push the bounds. J Daryl Morey talked about how he pushed the bounds on revolutionizing basketball. James Harden has revolutionized player mobility and what one man will do to transcend his circumstances uh dad let's switch gears here because we are getting ready for college football season now we have got less than two weeks before actual games get kick-started here and for maybe the last time dad in our adult lifetime we have five power five conferences that are going to merit discussion in the world of college football and so we thought about taking some time each day this week to go through each of those and answer a few big questions that we have about each conference heading into the 2023 season dad we wanted to start with the conference of champions in its swan song here as we wait to see the fate of the remaining pack four that aren't committed to the big 12 the Big Ten at this point, which actually should be one of the most exciting conferences in football. And so, Dad, I want to start with, with the top of the heap here as we look at the Pac-12 landscape. For the last two years, we have had the Utah Utes win the Pac-12 and win it in com pretty convincing, bone-crushing fa uh, fashion. So, Dad, I ask you, going into 2023, DraftKings Sportsbook has USC as the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12 championship as of right now. Should they be the favorite going into this year? I, I believe they probably should be the favorite, having the amount of people coming back on offense and the Heisman Trophy winner, but they're not my favorite. Washington is my favorite. The, the power Washington has coming back with the wide receivers and the quarterback and some edge rushers on defense. Now, they did not stop the run well the last couple of years. That has to be improved upon. But they can rush the passer. They can throw the ball. Uh, to me, they're the favorite. But I understand why USC gets the nod with the amount of, again, players that they have coming back uh, and the Heisman Trophy winner and able to replace players. Now, their defense really needs to pick up the slack. They were not good last year at all. So while I can understand them being the favorite, to me, it's Washington. And quite honestly, Mike, of the again, the last year of the Power Five, most likely, this could be the deepest conference that we have of all the Power Fives, and they're about to be defunct. I know it's amazing all the teams were about to say these glowing things about which you know in fairness a lot of the best ones we're talking about were poached by conferences who understood their value but uh it uh it, it does kind of amaze you the way it's all been framed Dan I, I honestly 
I think USC should get the nod, especially when you look at their schedule, but this does feel like slander of the highest order for Utah. Like, the fact that they are fourth, and I get, you're talking about Cam Rising, their quarterback, coming off an ACL in the bowl game. So, is he going to be ready at the start of the season? Is he going to be able to function the same? Because he is a guy whose legs, no doubt, will get you out of a jam there. But they return. Plenty of starting power on the offensive line. They return another really good tight end, a guy who was supposed to actually be better than Dalton Kincaid last year, and Brent Keithy, who was one of the lifebloods of that offense. Devon Vele, a couple other guys in there, and a defense that's been pretty consistent under Kyle Whittingham, and a team that has just ground people into dust. We saw two years ago when they won the championship, they beat the unholy hell out of Oregon, not once, but twice at the end of that season, just to rub their noses in it. They did the same thing to USC over the course of last year and so it feels disrespectful to have them as fourth in the odds and I understand the sexy appeal of Oregon and Washington in between there but I will give USC the credit especially because dad I don't know if playing the schedule game here Listen to USC's start of the season. Opening up against San Jose State at home, Nevada at home, Stanford at home, bye week, at Arizona State, new head coach. By the way, Stanford, new head coach. At Colorado, new head coach and almost an entirely new team. Home versus Arizona. Dad, USC's barely going to have to break a sweat until they go on the road to South Bend on October 14th. And so that does give you some time to see if Alex Grinch's defense can work things out and get ready to go on the other side. Yeah, but then then it is Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, Oregon. So it is going to be tough on the back end. So we'll see. So I would think we both agree they should be considered the favorite. But as I said, I have Washington winning it. All right, Dad. Uh, second question, and this has kind of been the story that's dominated the offseason with the Pac-12. Is Deion Sanders the coach with the most under the most pressure to succeed this coming season because of what he's done with that program? Absolutely not. They're going to stink. They are going now. He eventually may build them, but this is basically a brand new team. He ran off about 60 players, brought in new players. Now, I know they only had the one win last year, but to think they're going to be that much better, no shot. So, this coming season, no way he has the most pressure on him. To me, it's Lincoln Riley. You have the returning Heisman Trophy winner, a heck of an offense, a defense that needs to improve. You need to get to the play, you need to win you know, the conference and get to the playoffs, even though you haven't been there all that long. But with the talent that they have, I think that that's who the most pressure is going to be on. Deion Sanders' time will come, but it's not going to be this year. They're, they're going to get housed in many of their games. Dion, so one of three new head coaches that we mentioned, Troy Taylor at Stanford, Kenny Dillingham takes over at Arizona State, leaving from Oregon, and then you've got Dion. Dad, the only reason I say this is just because of the way that this has enamored the public. You're right. This should not be a good team. They have 10 returning scholarship players that were on the roster last year. Everyone else is new. You get 85 of those things, and so it's going to be some growing pains, but I just think the way that the public has latched on to this, and because Dion has made himself this celebrity figure amongst the college ranks, I do think there are going to be a lot of people that one way or another are going to relish the opportunity to overreact to any success or punish any failure. Dad, the last question here. DJ Uyangale has been one of the biggest names in college football for a while. Can he pull a Bo Nix and come over to Oregon State and experience a career revival this fall in the Pac-12? Boy, I tell you what, I mean, I don't see why he couldn't. We'll see. I like what Oregon State's put together this year. And this conference, quite honestly, we talked about them being the deepest 
conference, maybe competitive-wise. I don't mean the the best at the top in the country, but I mean four or five teams that could possibly win the conference. You can't say that about the other conferences, at least I don't think. Um, and and are they the the conference that has the most star quarterbacks? Right, you got the returning uh, Heisman Trophy winner. You just mentioned DJ. You got Penix, who was incredible at Washington. Knicks at Oregon. I mean, you have a number of star quarterbacks in that conference. So it's pretty impressive to me. So it's certainly not out of the realm that someone comes over in the transfer portal and has that big year. Could DJ be that be that guy this year? Well, we'll wait and see because he certainly didn't live up and struggled at Clemson. We all know that. But sometimes the grass is greener. We'll find out. Jonathan Smith's offense is what DJ was looking for. More, more pro style, a lot of play action pass, a ground game that you can rely on here. But when you watch last year, consistently missed a quarterback that can push the ball into certain places that others can't. That is who DJ is. And so if they could do what Dan Lanning and Oregon were able to do last year, and we'll see if they could do it this year. Kenny Dillingham, the coordinator that helped corral a lot of the chaotic talent that is Bo Nix, is now in the Valley of the Sun. But if you can get that similar setting where you take a little bit off the plate of DJ, where at Clemson, the quarterback had been expected to elevate everyone else at that program going back for quite a while now. And now if you can give him in a spot war, like we talked about with some of those NFL guys, you take a little bit of the pressure off, and all of a sudden maybe we finally harness this talent in Corvallis the way that people were hoping happened in the uh, Death Valley there in South Carolina. So an exciting season coming up in the Pac-12 that will cease to exist the following year. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to finish this thing off with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into your day. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on DraftKingsNetwork.com live if you want to watch us there. Uh, Dad, before we get to interesting stories about butter and celebrity billionaire fights, we need to tell you about the fight against the sun, the one that you really want to win and the one that you can with our friends at Knockaround. I got to spend time with our good friends at Knockaround over this weekend at Outside Lands in San Francisco. And even on a cloudy day, you still want to be prepared and look good, and that's where Knockaround can help you out. They're the go-to for high-quality polarized sunglasses that aren't going to break the bank here. Plenty of different styles to choose from here, all to your liking. If you're into Major League Baseball, they got nine teams of their MLB collection. If you still want to stunt U.S. colors on the rest of the women's World Cup as we get to the semifinal round now, you can do so there as well. They've got the official U.S. men's and women's national team shades. So don't be the loser caught squinting in your high-priced shades. 
trying to get sand out of them, stuck, God forbid, just doing battle raw with the sun. Go to knockaround.com for great-looking polarized shades starting at just $28. Use code GOLIC when you get there, and you will get free shipping on your order. All good things. Had a great time. They're an awesome group of people. They support us, which means we need you to support them. Dad, let's get to this, that, and the third, uh, and start off with butter. Uh, the Iowa State Fair is one of the Midwestern states that has had an almost century-old tradition now, over-century-old tradition, of marking their state's fair with a giant monument to butter. The Iowa State Fair, which usually displays an over 600-pound butter cow and has since 1911 as an homage to the dairy industry and all of its might, also has taken to making statues of some of the greats in its state's history. And the Iowa State Fair this year under, unveiled three statues, one of former Northern Iowa quarterback and Pro Football Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, one of former Iowa State football player Jack Trice, and one of current Iowa Hawkeyes basketball legend Caitlin Clark, who now gets to see herself immortalized in butter before I'm sure eventually being immortalized in a real statue somewhere on Iowa's campus. Dad, if you were going to make a statue of yourself out of any edible product what would you go with here because butter's pretty high up on the list it's pretty good and, and and i have questions like is it edible butter can you i go like take a piece of toast and rub it what what, what other kind of butter is there besides edible butter well no i mean you're making a sculpture out of it. it how does it last long do they have to put something on it how does it not melt i mean can I walk up with a piece of toast and rub Kurt Warner's arm and have my toast buttered? Are you allowed to do that? I mean, I have, I have multiple questions, but they've been doing this a long time, so they know what the hell they're doing. I would the Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. I would like a life-size, six-foot-five, 230-pound sculpture of me with oatmeal cream pie that then is obviously highly edible after it so i could take a picture with it look at it enjoy it and then start eating it how about you i i didn't realize we had to throw out our weights now and shame everybody here congratulations skinny um i would probably go with making myself into a giant Reese's, you know, like in Easter, they have the Reese's bunnies that are huge and just basically the Reese's format where it's the chocolate outer shell and the peanut butter inside. Anyone who's been watching me review snacks on Instagram for a while would probably not be stunned by this, but I would ask the fine folks at Reese's to make a, we'll go with it, 6'4", because I'm not as tall as you, and conservatively 265 pounds because I'm not in as good a shape as you, giant chocolate Reese's Easter bunny. Kiss my ass. Um, Listen, I don't know what to tell you. Listen, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't eat all the things you're eating and be in the shape you're in. Okay. I'm, I'm just talking about me. You didn't have to go down that road. Yeah. You know what? I also don't have my mom to just tell me what to eat and when to work out like you do. So acknowledge your privilege. All right. Let me ask you a question. How old are you? You're 33 years old. I mean, do you need your mother to call you every day? Now, Mikey, make sure you work out, and this is what you need what? to prepare for your You meal. have her every I mean, day to draw a freaking bath for you. You can't even right. take your own bath without my mom you're drawing right. the water for you. So I don't want to hear and about I, being dependent on my mom to get things done. And I'm the first one. We've been married 36 wonderful years, and that's our symbiotic relationship. This is what we do for one another. Now, she does more for me than I do for her. Don't get me wrong. But that's the partnership. I'm sorry at this point you don't have that, so you have to make decisions for yourself. And is it my fault that you're making poor decisions? 
Wow. So now I'm being shamed for not being married either. This has gone great. Let's get to that. Um, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk apparently aren't fighting. We might have to take their place in the Roman Coliseum at this point. Uh, Dad, Mark Zuckerberg went on the internet and shamed Elon Musk, his billionaire counterpart, who had been going back and forth on the idea that they were going to meet inside the squared circle to settle whatever score they've got between each other. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg went on to say that I think we can all agree Elon isn't serious and it's time to move on. If Elon ever gets serious about a real date and an official event, he knows where to reach me. Dad, apparently Elon had been complaining about injuries, actually asked to do a practice round in Zuckerberg's backyard. All of this patently absurd after I thought we were going to get two billionaires fighting in the actual Roman Coliseum in a way that would no doubt indicate the fall of civilization. Yeah, Elon Musk giving us every every excuse in the book right now. Uh, and Zuckerberg, I thought, did a great job of just saying, you know what he did? He just lobbed the ball into Elon's court, inside of the court and said, dude, it's on you. I'm ready to go right now. No practice rounds in my backyard. None of that BS. You tell me when you're ready. Until then, I'm going to get on with my life and my business at Meta. You get on with your life at X. You know, and and do your thing. And if you ever want to get serious about it, get back to me. But right now, Elon Musk, well, you know, he's 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 certainly had a few things he's looked ridiculous on. And this is another one of them. Add it to the list here. Uh, we'll come up with our all-time billionaire fight list on another day because apparently we're going to have to wave goodbye to this one. And Dad, instead, wave hello to the third. So... Let me paint this picture for everyone. If you're not terminally online and you might have missed this... There was a video that surfaced in the last week or so of a woman having a mega viral meltdown on an American Airlines flight where walking towards the front of the plane, she announced loudly that she would not be flying on this plane and that other people shouldn't either because, quote, that MFR isn't real in the back of the plane as she points and watches the entire crowd on the plane look back wondering who that MFR she's talking about is on the plane before promptly being escorted off. Dad, her name is Tiffany Gomez. She is 38 years old, and she emerged with an apology that she posted online yesterday, as well as a link to her website and YouTube page. So, Dad, I don't know if I should take sincerely this apology and instead brace for the impact of a woman who looks like she is ready for her close-up and her 15 minutes of fame. So, a couple of things here. First, and I think anybody who's ever been on a plane would all agree with me, and I bet you would too, Mike, as she is walking off that plane and turning around and yelling, the only thing I would be thinking is, please get off the plane, please get off the plane so our flight isn't delayed. Please just get off the plane, keep going so we're not delayed. Little part of you worried? Little part of you worried that there's some sort no. of demon back there, that she knows no. something we when, don't when, about the state of no. this place? When she says she when she says there's an MFer back there who's not real, I'm like, please leave. Please escort your ass off the plane. And now for her apology, as I did not know, because I don't know these things, and your mother filled me in on, her Instagram was heavily filtered and she had professional makeup done. I wouldn't know either, nor would I care. But the line I love the most, and we should add in there, it says, Gomez, Gomez said, she hopes to use this experience and to do a little bit of good in the world. And here's where I insert and make some money because yeah. we're all kind of set up to look at the other side, right? Was this sincere? She didn't give an excuse like she was on meds or anything. She just apologized. And we're all like, okay, where is she going to show up next to try and make a buck?
Well, we're going to find out because she's got the link to her website right in her Twitter profile that last I checked already has about 50,000 followers. So the uh, weird internet celebrity machine is working. I will brace for the milkshake duck portion of this where we find out the horrific thing from her past that has kept her from fame all of these years. Hopefully that doesn't stop you from downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast, leaving us a five-star rating. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.